Um, We're reading The Other Half of Church, a book about Christian community, brain science, and overcoming spiritual stagnation. A few days ago, Peter Horton talked with Shauna Ezell, a psychologist and member of our congregation, about narcissism. We all have narcissistic tendencies. How can we heal these tendencies together? Let's hear what Shauna has to say about this. All right, we're on. So uh, this morning we're welcoming Shauna Zell back from uh, Florida. She's going to help us again as we look into the um, the seventh chapter of this book, The Other Half of Church. Uh, and this book is on narcissism. So you know, part of the reason, and maybe you know this already, that we keep inviting Shauna to come back and to speak to us is because um, this book is, in, is written by two authors, one who's a pastor and the other who is a psychologist. So Shauna being a psychologist can give us unique perspective and her understanding of the psychology that's in this book. And uh, uh, because she's a believer and a sister and a part of our church, she can help us kind of um, think through what does this mean for us, right? So thanks, Shauna, for joining us again. I, we appreciate it. So Sean and I talked a bit about this uh, yesterday, and we came up with a number of questions. She's been thinking about it for a while. Of course, she thinks about it as she reads the book. And has. Uh, and I love to kind of dialogue with her because sometimes she's like pushing back against the author. Sometimes she's right there with him. Um, uh, but again, I, we just want you to know, like, uh, as Shauna approaches this work, she's doing it from a perspective of respect for the author and who he is. And as another professional in the field, uh, she's not here to argue with him or to contradict what he's to say, but rather look at what he has to say and kind of help us see how, like I said, it fits who we are, right? So, so we'll start with that, Shauna, as a, as a psychologist, kind of give us your thoughts on narcissism. Yeah, so um, I, I want everybody to know that um, narcissism is, is a, a term that has been in use by psychologists for a long period of time. It was first coined, uh, narcissist-like, it was first coined back in 1898, and the Havlock Ellis, not that you need to know that name, uh, he introduced Ovid's Greek mythological character, Narcissus. Uh, to the emerging field of psychology. And he associated uh, the features of that character with psychological characteristics. So that association held fast. Narcissism is a technical term in psychology. Um, Though researchers may vary in how they define it, um, it it really is um, psychological uh, terminology. So narcissists, if you don't know the character, he really adored his own image. And I think that Wilder Hendricks authors, they really captured much of this concept called narcissism. So I'm not going to repeat that here, um, but you you can definitely read through the chapter, uh, made a lot of statements. Um, I, I really understand their hesitancy to refer to it as a personality disorder, but um, what they describe definitely coincides with um, what I use. It's the Diagnostics and Statistical Manual, fifth edition. We call it DSM-5. 
It's put out by the American Psychiatric Association. And it really does um, coincide with something referred to as a narcissistic personality disorder. So that DSM-5, I think, provides a really strong frame of reference for personality disorders in general, but specifically for a narcissistic personality disorder. So I, I'm not hesitating to use that term as I talk to you about what, what we were seeing in the book. So a personality disorder is considered pathological. Um, it's possible to have the traits, characteristics, and certain qualities without having the disorder. There are actually 10 disorders, and some of them have similarities that overlap with a narcissistic personality disorder. To diagnose somebody with a personality disorder requires psychological assessment. That's one of the things that a psychologist does do. Um, and uh, what we don't do uh, is we don't diagnose people without a professional relationships. We consider that unethical, unsound practice. Um, yeah, a lot of people think psychologists do this, but I can tell you I do not, and, and many people do not, and uh, they do come under fire if they start diagnosing people with personality disorders. So um, if you recognize any characteristics of this personality disorder, um, it does not mean that you have it or that somebody else has it. But if you're concerned, I recommend that you go to a psychologist um, because they, they have that ability to diagnose. So personality forms um, as one develops. So by adolescence, early adulthood, there is this enduring pattern of, of the inner experience and behavior emerges out of that. Certainly by young adulthood, we have predictable patterns that become evident by others. And those are called personality traits. So we, we say things like, oh, she's such a giving person or he's kind and considerate or wow, he's so organized. Or we may even say things like, you know, he's so obsessive or, um, you know, uh, uh, fastidious or things like that. But those are personality characteristics. A disorder by definition lies outside the norm. For a particular culture and society. It's, it's pervasive, it's persistent, it's inflexible, and within the context of a disorder, the patterns of the behavior, and the ways of viewing self and others, it becomes distressful to the person and others. This, these disordered characteristics impair the person's ability to achieve, to learn, and to relate to each, to others, and, and that's and or, you know, achieve and relate to others or learn. Yeah, so it's, it really makes sense that somebody with a personality disorder in general, but uh, specifically we're talking about narcissistic personality disorder, they're gonna struggle in a position of leadership. Yeah. Um, okay. So, 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 yeah. Sean, so one of the things that you said that I found interesting was um, mm -hmm. that a, a lot of us have narcissistic tendencies Mm -hmm. But but then what I understand is to be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder is a whole nother thing. It's like a bigger deal. So how would you describe the difference between, say, somebody who has uh, like maybe a lot of narcissistic tendencies and someone who has, uh, and I know it's on a spectrum, but like full blown narcissistic personality disorder. What's the difference between the two? So it's really, really key that there's impairment in that functioning that I just mentioned. That's very key. 
So, um, you know, they, they uh, for one thing, a, a person with a full-blown disorder, um, and I'm gonna get into some of the characteristics, but they, they have a desire to achieve and to achieve beyond a person's wildest dream. And yet um, they, they may fall short of that certainly. And then they may actually end up to be underachievers and very dissatisfied with themselves. Um, so that's just one example. Uh, narcissistic tendencies, we've got, we've kind of aligned it with something super negative, but there can be people who are very uh, self-satisfied and um, enjoy being with themselves. And because of it, uh, they produce great works of literature, you know, rather than getting married to somebody else. So it can be a positive thing. They, they do like themselves and it's not pathological pathological, uh, we're going to see, because I'm going to kind of give you some of those traits uh, of the, the actual personality disorder. And you do have to have uh, more of these traits than not, okay? Whereas non-pathological might have one of those traits and be highly functional in their job. Somebody with this disorder is going to have a lot of these traits and at, really at least five of these traits. And um, and struggle in their functioning. So okay, yeah. So um, it, you know, it does. It, it's a male-dominated kind of disorder, somewhere between fifty to seventy-five percent, and the incidence is is not um, terribly high, but it can get as high as six point two percent. That, by the way, I really do want to say this is that some of these traits that I'm going to mention. You might see them in adolescents or even like very young children. Um, don't worry about that. Adolescents do display quite a few of these. As well. and I will read them. You will recognize them. Are we seeing all our children are narcissists? Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I, I'm also going to explain that this is a part of a developmental phase also to have more of these traits than not. It's really evident, though, when a person starts um, in young adulthood to mid-adulthood, when they really are starting to go to work, to college, get married, to have children, join the military, et cetera, you know, that's, that's when it's really gonna start to be emerging and you're gonna see the problems in functioning that I think the author did a great job of sharing those traits in different ways, in a way that you could see how these are definitely gonna interfere with functioning. Um, so, uh, according to the, the Dictionary of Psychology, narcissism actually refers to this abnormal kind of self-love. So it, it really, it, but it's, it's defective. It's this incapacity to, um, to, to love someone else. So outside of that object being myself, I'm going to have difficulty engaging in a relationship. So you're going to see problems in social relatedness. Um, there, there is this excessive need for admiration, excessive. It's, it's an unreasonable sense of entitlement. It's a belief in a, a very much of a unique status, a grandiose sense of self-importance. So that person with this disorder, they're going to have preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited, unlimited success and power. Um, so they, they consciously exploit others. They lack empathy 
they are often envious of others. So five of those characteristics and how, and you notice how I put these qualifiers, excessive, unreasonable, grandiose, um, that, that is what separates it out from um, just enjoying being with oneself or enjoying the way one looks. Yeah, so. So, so, we, so we, okay, so what you're, you're saying, and I didn't realize that, so it, tell me if I'm right or wrong here. You're saying they, they struggle to love themselves? It ultimately, and I'm going to get into that a little bit later, but ultimately, really, all of this is kind of masking what um, Kogut, who's one of the first theorists in this field, he said it was called disin disintegration anxiety. It's um, really they've missed something in their development that that is a faulty structure. It's an incomplete structure. They are trying to make up for something that they that they've missed in development. Wow. And because they're unable to love themselves or they're missing something that makes them difficult to love others. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I mean, really, narcissism is supposed to be this normal stage in human development. Yeah. Um, but what what happens is because of um, problems in parenting and disturbed parenting and really incomplete kind of um, reflection to the child, um, the child ends up starting to develop that, that personality disorder, okay? So it, it really is not just something that emerges in adulthood because somebody's disgruntled or their self-esteem is damaged in some yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so really, the, the individuals with this disorder, they, they pull on others for perfect idealization of themselves. Because they've missed some steps developmentally, they, what they're trying to do is they're trying to achieve this because they're longing for it. They have a void when it comes to genuine, honorable, and self-esteem and pride. They, they just aren't able to get that, generate that from within. It's, yeah... And uh, the theory that I kind of work off of is a developmental theory that, that says it's disturbed attachments. Yeah, so, so it so, sounds like they're bottomless pits. So you, you, whatever you pour in, it's never enough. Um, um, yeah, and I have to say never, but yeah, people are going to experience it that way. They're well, going to, people are going to experience individuals with this disorder as yeah. though like no matter how much I praise them, it's it's vanity. I mean, it's a waste of my time. It doesn't do any good for the, this person. Yeah. Sorry, I'm taking us a little off the questions, but no, they, they are not going to argue with that, you know, because they're they're um, they're pulling for idealization, right? They're pulling yeah. for um, uh, praise, etc. So they're not going to put you down and say, oh no, no, no. And if they do, it's going to feel really false if they yeah. do that because they, they need it. They want yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And again, even people with narcissistic tendencies may have an, an, uh, an, uh, a larger need for affirmation than, than those without. So, I mean, it just, yeah, it just makes me curious as you've worked, sorry, a total aside maybe, but as you, if you've worked, worked with narcissists, how does the love of God impact them? So uh, the, the love of God impacts them. I'm, I'm not really sure because the love of God is working within them. You know, if they're yeah. a believer, 
the love of God is working within them and, and altering them and transforming them because it says in the word of God that, that they're being transformed in their mind. Um, their, their, their fatal flaw though, um, my, might actually avert their eyes from fixing their eyes on Jesus, right? Because, yeah. because they kind of elevate themselves with this need to, to have uh, that praise that they, they actually may elevate themselves above God. So, you know, I, we all have narcissistic tendencies and that's kind of one of them, you know, we, yeah. we are going to fall into that pride. It was Adam's pride. It's still our, it, it's Adam's sin. It's Adam's flaw. It still is ours. Right. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Well, I, uh, so um, you, you've been thinking about this a little bit and maybe you have an example of having been impacted by a narcissistic leader, but first, like, what do you think the dangers of, of, uh, of having that person with a narciss- extreme narcissistic tendencies or narcissistic personality disorder as a leader or a pastor in a church? I really do think the greatest threat is to the very mission of the church body. You know, the church, you're supposed to be the hands and feet of God and Jesus. We're, we're to be his pride. We are supposed to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, Jesus, because he is the author and perfecter of faith. So all of that is contrary to this impaired functioning of someone operating out of, out of narcissism. I mean, they, we're going to be also uh, prone to it because their inflexibility, their their persistence, that out of the box kind of approach, it might actually be enticing to us, and it may be misinterpreted. So yeah. we might interpret that as being focused and driven and committed and creative, but that person then with this disorder would reciprocate this by demanding more and might expound upon this and demand more of the congregants and pretty soon the mission is to become to serve the master the leader rather and stroking their ego rather than carrying out the the mission as the word of god says it's supposed to be to be the hands of feet of god so there's also a danger of people being used objectified right and feeling helpless yeah so what were you going to say peter I was just saying, so when you can see that in a sense when you have a situation where you're you're supposed to be about worshiping God, but it's the it's the pastor or the leader that's always being lifted up, right? Yeah. Right. Where come to our church because of this great blank or person, rather than you're going to encounter Jesus. Yeah. Right, and they might they might say, you know, it's because of the mission. So they might say that like, what you're going to see on a personal level is that um, the mission seems like it's, you, you know, trust your gut. It's going to start to feel like it's a second yeah. to stroking their ego. The people that are closest to that leader are probably going to experience it more. And it really is going to be upon them to do some of the correction um, of, for this person. Because the, the people, uh, you know, who are more distant from them are going to see some of the facade yeah. 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 I, I think we're also vulnerable to this because we live in a, in a celebrity culture, <laughs> you know, we, we are going to be uh, vulnerable to this because we are Americans and it's kind of infused in our blood or something to admire celebrities. And these people can be very charismatic and, um, and if they surround themselves with people who 
um, are able to pull off some of what they say the mission is because they're trying to do something grandiose, right? If they're able to pull some of that off and we're not actually seeing the attacks that that person is putting upon them, that we actually may really love aligning ourselves with this celebrity church. Yeah. You know, wow, it's growing. We yeah. need to be doing something right. Right, right. But we're not yeah. seeing what's the underbelly of what's actually happening. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what the author says, and I mentioned in, the, in my first talk, was yeah. that, that one of the reasons we're susceptible to this is because we focus on size, impact, our, our power, our yeah, presence, yeah. rather than on, you know, fostering a community of love, uh, you know, joy, uh, like a communal identity and exhorting or, in, in okay. his words, disciplining one another. Yeah. So character, right? Yeah, Fo focusing exactly. on character. Instead, we focus on on things. You you and I talked about that. You you mentioned you thought there were there may have been other reasons why we're susceptible. Um, as you know, I think we're also susceptible because I've talked about imitation. Yeah. You know, uh, imitation yeah. and empathy. You know, uh, some of us who, um, I guess, I'm putting myself in that category of being normal. <laughs> okay. So some of us who who are you know operating out of a healthy personality uh, that's well balanced. Um, and, you know, can still be trying to give that person a lot of empathy, but at the same time, we're, we're going to start to imitate them. And I like, I like the saying that I can't, I can't remember exactly. Let me look at my notes right here. Yes. We become what we tolerate, you know, uh, you know, we, and I can say we become sort of, uh, who, with whom we're starting to identify with and it happens slowly. And over time, that we start to become become like like that leader, especially if we're afraid to correct, we see an error and we're afraid to correct. Uh, we are we are gonna you know possibly fall into well, it's not that bad, and you know well it could be worse. We maybe start to compare ourselves to really um, damaged uh, groups of believers, right? Or yeah. No, I, I like that. I, 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 uh, I do think we imitate um, that which we think is significant or we see churches that grow and think we need to be like that. Um, or, or we see people um, that we are dynamic and charismatic and we, we follow them, we become entranced with them. It's almost like hypnotized, right? Because of our celebrity culture, it's all, it's all part of it and become like that as well. Um, and ships, right? Because we also are in tribes, the way yeah. that we consider ourselves a part of one tribe and we, and, and that tribe is going in different directions. It's hard for us not to yeah. go in that particular direction. That, that applies to religion, that applies to politics, right? To any group, right? We belong to, it's a part of who we are. That's fascinating. Yeah, we keep writing ourselves, Peter, and coming back to Jesus and fixing our eyes on Jesus, you know, look at his relationships. They were uh, you know, with this very small group of 12 yeah. and um, really invested in him. And when he was one-on-one -on -one with people, he was very invested in them. Never, when it says, you know, the Great Commission, never does it say, you know, that to go out and do it by the hundreds and thousands, you know, mm -hmm. and this is not to, um, this is in any, any way um, slamming people like Billy Graham and, uh, Rick Warren, you know, who have um, 
you know, really, you know, strongly influence people for Christ. But so, yeah, I'm not saying that you can't have a huge church and, and be doing it well. Yeah, right. That, that uh, there's, go there's going to be, um, yeah, I, I guess it's uh, vulnerability, right? If that's yeah. what your goal is. Yeah, but so, so here we we talked. Um, I I may be I, uh, sorry. Make, I know I'm making you skip some things you want, but I'm watching the time. Um, but but um, one of the things that I had asked you yesterday because it was an intriguing question, um, and I know you just said you don't do this because you're not in a professional relationship with this. Because but we're talking about the church as a whole. So if you were to diagnose the evangelical church in America, would you say we have narcissistic tendencies, and if so, why? Yeah, so, you know, some of the things that I've just said can apply to the evangelical church. And, and I'm no expert, really, on that. That's also a part of my hesitancy. Yeah. I think that I'm hearing some things as I was preparing for this talk. I started to um, encounter <laughs> I, um, some, uh, you know, really sound information out there about the evangelical church of not, not e-free, but, you know, evangelism, uh, evangelicanism, I don't know if you would, what you would call it, but I started to encounter people much smarter than me who are, are researching that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can see how we can be susceptible to that. And again, I, I think because of the celebrity culture, yeah, and, you know, yeah, you know, just we're, we're, Americans, we, we do value just be polite. And me being a Minnesotan, I'm even more polite, right? Midwesterners, yeah. we don't want to rock the boats. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Americans too, we just don't want to bash anybody. We just kind of want to open everybody up. And I think some of that can be seeping into our church yeah. with the big C yeah. culture. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's not a bad way to put it. It may be that the way we are narcissistic is the way we've embraced the larger American culture mm -hmm. rather than truly following Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus, the way of humility, Jesus, the way of suffering, Jesus, the way of death, as opposed to, you know, church, the way of growth, church, the way of success, you know, yeah. church, church, the way of impact and influence and, uh, and power. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't raised in a church and I, encountered denominationalism as an adult and i have noticed with denominationalism that all of them thinks that they have the right way <laughs> and that's that right there is kind of narcissistic isn't it um so i guess any any denominational could be susceptible to this because and i do believe we're all susceptible because of um pride right so, um, yeah, anyway. Well, well so I, I wanted you to kind of wrap up your point by answering the question, how do you feel like we can insulate ourselves from making this mistake or from being narcissistic as a church or from hiring narcissistic leaders? I'm, and by that, I mean, not that we don't have, won't have narcissistic tendencies, right? But just that we weren't, we're not hiring people that are you know, kind of extreme. Um, and I, I do think this might be a good time for you to bring in a little bit of the 
you, you were mentioning that theory that you wanted to, to discuss. And then come, you know, just give us a couple thoughts you have about how we can, um, as a, ther- as a uh, therapist, um, or even, even the way, like, how would you counsel someone to change who has, who's, who has some narcissistic tendencies, right? So as a therapist, I definitely am going to focus on this theory that, I mean, there are different theories, um, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, but this, this one, um, you know, having to do with attachments and development, I, I think is very important across the board with personality disorders. Um, but in this one in particular, um, I, I do think that you have to have this genuine understanding and empathy. And I think even as believers that, that we come out of this and, and it's preached in our word of God, you know, um, I think looking at first Corinthians 12, uh, and 13 and looking also at Galatians and six, one through five, I, I can name a lot of, um, scripture here as well, but okay. I'm a, I'm a Christian count therapist. Even if I'm not preaching Christ, I'm coming out of that worldview and that belief system. So I know that our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities, against wickedness in heavenly places. So I have that even at the same time that I'm studying psychology and I'm rooting and grounding myself in um, research that shows that if with this particular um, theory and treatment, it's called self-psychology that, or, and object relations, but if I'm rooted and grounded in that understanding, that I'm going to come out of that genuine understanding and empathy. I've also been very trained in communication skills, and I think that all of us as believers, and especially people who, um, who have a healthy sense of themselves, are using great tools already, reflective tools and mirroring tools in their communication styles that are are very powerful when um, interacting with somebody who has this disorder. Okay, okay, so take a step back again, read in in very uh, uh, like short, describe the theory to us because I kind of lost that in the explanation. Um, Okay, so in the theory, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but in the theory, it's saying um, what happened, how this, how this disorder developed is because of disturbed, you know, disturbances in parenting and disrupted attachments with other people. It was interpersonal that, that, that happened. So of course, the healing is going to come in an interpersonal way. It's going to come in um, the therapist, and I don't, I don't expect people in the congregation to be like this, but it's going to come in that parent, that therapist trying to be that ideal parent for that individual. Um, so it's, it's similar to what we as a church body can do, but, but I don't expect people to learn how to be a therapist for somebody with this disorder. Okay. Um, but when, when I'm working with that individual, I am constantly um, listening to what they're saying, and I'm constantly validating 
their experience of their perception of the world, okay? So I'm staying connected to that person empathetically and uh, relationally. And um, since I am a human being, I'm not gonna be able to do that perfectly. And so there's going to be problems in that relationship that we're going to work out in the relationship and continue to work out those things. Um, I, I, as a believer, I get my fuel from the word of God and from prayer and from recognizing that that person is not the enemy. You know, that's not the person they're, um, impaired but they, they're trapped and they're kind of in you know in chains because of this disorder does that make sense yeah um we we as as believers i think we, we can root and ground ourselves in the word of god but i think especially looking at some of some of the scriptures that definitely did um offers guidance um, one of the things that you and I talked about, Peter, is, is and we've talked about this in our small group, is that we follow um, this, this um, you know, make structure of our, our um, group of believers in accordance with uh, the fivefold ministry. You know, so this team approach where it's shared power is going to keep each other accountable, yeah. you know, and and what has to happen in that is that there, there does have to be healthy correction and healthy correction is, is laid out by the word of God. You know, that it is, I, I don't have the, the scriptures written down verbatim and I can't, and I don't have them memorized, but Galatians six, one through five, it's, it's talking about how we approach that correction in Timothy, in the book, Timothy, Paul, shares with Timothy how to go about doing that correction, how we are using the word of God, but we're using a, a, an approach that is very gentle and infused with love. So that's similar also to what the author is talking about as well. Yeah. He, he talks about the joy and um, the hesed, which is loyal love, you know, building our culture um, you know, th those are part of it. And I think reading the word of God, you're going to see what he's actually talking about. And he references that less than I wish that he would reference that more, that that's what his concepts are coming from the word of God. Yeah. But I, and I do wish that, that he would reference that more. Yeah. I mean, we, we are, you know, the hands and feet, we are the body. So we care for our own body. We care for it. We, uh, we understand that there are different skills and duties and abilities. Right. I'm starting to think that I'm the hand and, and Peter, I don't need your head, <laughs> you know, and you start to overhear that metaphorically speaking, right? You start to overhear that. That should raise um, warning bells <laughs> within yeah. you. You know, one person saying, you know, we need, you know, lots of feet. We don't need these hands as much. You know, I think I think that's that is kind of the warning bells. Yeah. So uh, in the United States, also we don't we don't teach people to trust their gut and their heart as much as I th I think it's really important that that we put some of the emphasis on those and we actually teach people in the 
in the church how to do really good communication. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, thank you. So I, I mean, I it'd probably be good for us to write something up. I'm not saying that this is an assignment, but I did hear a number of things. I appreciate that. I mean, that the way our church uh, leadership is structured matters. That can protect us as well. Um, so we don't depend overly on one person over others. So that that's one thing we've got going for us, right, as a body. Um, I mean, the other thing comes, I was thinking too, um, in our personal interpersonal relationships with each other, I heard you say that, are we listening? Are we empathetic towards one another? I get that idea of learning from one another, even those that struggle with, you know, uh, narcissistic tendencies or extreme narcissistic tendencies to show them what empathy looks like, to treat them with empathy, right? To listen, to respect, and to put up with them, even if you notice narcissism is really healthy and good. And that's the one way they can learn as well as um, experience love, right? Uh, maybe affirming them in healthy ways rather than unhealthy, right? Uh, we're not, you know, we're not going to uh, build, try to, you know, say things that are unnecessary in order to build them up. Flattery isn't helpful in this situation. And then I also heard too, like, in our personal lives, are we, hum are we coming humbly to one another? Are we willing to accept uh, if someone has something they're upset with us about and to be able to receive it? Well, that also is good for us, but it also demonstrates uh, a non-narcissistic way of relating, right? Uh, one in one in humility instead. That's really helpful, Shauna. Thank you. Well, I, I just thought of something else really important, Peter. Yeah. And th this is, um, you know, when you when you encounter a person with this personality disorder, um, it, you are likely to be assaulted verbally, emotionally, oh. psychologically. Yeah, shamed. Um, you that very experience. Um, it, it tells you something, that very experience, okay? Hurting people hurt people. Yeah. You know? um, when, you, when you encounter that, it really is important to go to um, somebody that you care about and trust who can listen to you as you process some of that yeah. uh, and, and can hear it gently um, because, because it can be very injurious to encounter that. Yeah. And um, and if if uh, correction, you know, one on one first, right? We've got we've got these steps. You go one on one with a person. Um, you now experience that deluge of um, of assault, right? Of hurt, pain. Um, that then you go to. Okay, you know that there's a wisdom in that because now. Both of these people are experiencing that, and then and then you do do that next step. You start to bring that to a, a larger group. I wouldn't necessarily say now you're going to air it in front of the entire church. Yeah, no, probably not. Yeah. With with a larger group, but everybody doing that prayerfully, yeah. you know, humbly taking yeah. the, the speck out of your own eye before yeah. you go to that person. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a lot here. We're gonna need to bring it to a close. This yeah. for, thank you, Shauna, for um, uh, sharing us your uh, your knowledge and your wisdom on this. It's really helpful, and Thanks, we should be thinking this through a bit more. I know I don't I can't think of anybody in our church that has narcissistic personality, but if I do find think of someone, I'll let everybody know. I'm kidding, <laughs> uh, but I, I I do think it's good sorry, for. I us. should laugh at that. Oh, yeah, sorry, right. it might be you, Shauna. You never know, right? Uh, no, I I think I would. <laughs> 
We should yeah. be not be joking about this. It's not something to joke. It's very serious. It's very, it's very painful yeah. for both. For both, you know, the person yeah. with the disorder and for the person who's yeah. feeling very injured by yeah. the person with that disorder. Yeah, and I think what's what's probably true for more of us um, is we probably have um, we're less um, resilient and more fragile than we want to be, and so um, we take. Uh, it, what seems like harsh words or criticism for someone really hard. And that is also the reason why we may get defensive. That's not because we have narcissistic tendencies, but I, but we could talk more about this sometime you and I, and I, um, uh, again, I just, I like this idea. We think about how to encourage and support one another, how to become a more like uh, loving, resilient, joy-filled um, community. Right. So anyway, bless you. Thank uh, you. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Right. All right. Bye. Bye.